I'm Greg Dowler-Coltman. Welcome to Ellipses Thinking, a podcast dedicated to exploring the nature of the creative journey in process. If an ellipses builds the perfect bridge from where we have been and are now to where we're next meant to be, then what intrigues me most lives between those three tiny dots. So I am so thrilled to have the opportunity to spend this next uh, wee while in conversation with Alana Holly Purvis. Alana is an accomplished actor on both stage and screen, a vocal coach specializing in trans vocal care, and the mother of a pair of amazing twin toddlers who no doubt invite every creative fiber in their mother to arrive performance ready each and every day. Alana, welcome. Thank you so much, Greg. So let me begin also by offering a huge congratulations to you as you received a a Canadian Stage Screen Awards nomination just announced this morning for Best Actress in the Feature Film Range Roads. So you got to tell me, where were you (laughs) when you got this news? (laughs) Oh, gosh, it was so funny. Um, I I got a, a text from a friend saying, I guess on Facebook, saying, I'm sorry to get you up so early. By the way, that person didn't have kids and it was 7 a.m. I'm like, I've been up for three and a half hours. But um, yeah, saying congratulations. And I said, thank you so much for what? Absolutely no idea. Um, And then when I heard, I was so thrilled. Uh, The director of the show to Kyle Thomas, who is the only reason I even got to do any of this uh, and the sole creator and writer and director for this project, uh, he also texted me um, with a big congratulations because this show is his baby and he's so mm. thrilled. And hopefully, even though it's, you know, still COVID 2022, um, they're doing a lot of it live. So hopefully we will be able to red carpet and celebrate together. So that's no, how I found that's... out in a really ridiculous way. But I was over the moon. <laughs> well, uh, it, yeah, it's awesome. And, and, and I know that uh, um, we loved the performance. We had a chance to see it. I can't even remember when it first aired on whatever digital virtual platform festival. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, it, yeah, it's been a, a, weird, a weird way of, of experiencing that work. But, but, but we, we really quite loved it. Yeah. In the film, you play a TV actress, Frankie. Mm-hmm. Right, Frankie's yep. been estranged from her family in rural Alberta. Yes, absolutely. Uh, for over two decades, so really, mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of backstory. It seems to me when I when I went back and thought about it that that there are a couple of truths about Frankie that seem to be very apparent from the very start of the film. Mm-hmm. One, Frankie has, by some accounts, uh, gained a level of success as a Canadian actor. Mm-hmm. And two. Success is not all it appears to be. <laughs> right. 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 The work as presented through Frankie's experience is, well, it's nothing short of soul sucking. Yeah. And, uh, and then the phone rings. Uh, and and I, I, I know I'm not giving away the film. This is all just the yes. setup. But the phone yep. rings and her brother tells her uh, that, that their parents have died in a sudden um, and tragic car accident. Um, and her life, which appeared off course, is now rudderless. So mm. I'm wondering if we just take a little listen to how that's set up. Mm-hmm. Let me have a word with this donkey. And this is where the donkey starts talking. Cut. Back to one. Just a bit more. 
You got it. This is my sister, Frankie. Don't we see you on TV all the time? That show? <laughs> Are you the one that's in the chocolate bar commercial? Yeah. It's her. For heaven's sake, we knew we had seen you. Frankie King with Blaze Talent. So how'd you find me? It's over. <laughs> Frankie, it's Grayson. It's about mom and dad. <laughs> it's lovely, and I... I think mm. the the moment that I love the, the the best out of that whole trailer sequence is that inhalation of breath mm. when time stops, you know, mm-hmm. when time stops and all of that, oh, that tension of the, of, of the violin and everything else. It's, 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 yeah, it really set, sets everything up. So mm. yeah, I mean, t- talk to me about, talk to me about that experience and how that resonated for you as you know, as a project. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Greg, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's so funny to even hear that clip because it takes you right back to that breath moment. You know what I mean? Mm. And you understand that as an artist. Um, this project was so weird for me and I learned so much about it. Um, because I, my twins were eight months old when I started filming this. So I started prepping with Kyle when they were two months old. Um, and I was, you know, trying to breastfeed and breastfeeding wasn't working because I wasn't home enough. And then the guilt, uh, but knowing this project needed to happen. Um, so it's interesting because my own state of being was so, uh, wrapped up in the world of Frankie. And although Frankie and I are very, very different and we really are, um, (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> the self-loathing <laughs> and an ability hmm. to feel like you're not enough is um, something that motherhood was really uh, bringing to the forefront of my neocortex, so to speak. Hmm. Um, so it was uh, sickening and tough and also so wonderful because I've never felt so uh, available as an actor hmm. to um, – participate in somebody like Frankie who goes through a plethora of negative emotions. Um, and it, it just, it was all consuming. And yet, you know, you would do these takes, uh, and then go home and like try to parent at the end of the night. So uh, the show was, it, it was incredible. It's a, sh- it's about so much, but, uh, Kyle Thomas, again, he's created this film that to me is about, um, returning back to oneself Mm. Uh, returning back to one's um, home from something that you're fleeing from, facing uh, facing your fears to be able to move forward and move beyond. Uh, and it's about hmm, it's about so many things, but it's really about in my mind. And again, I don't want to give away the final moment of the show, but mm-hmm. it's about acceptance. It's about acceptance, and it's totally tied to my journey as a mother at that time because everything. And I even remember talking to you deeply and intimately during different phases of being a, a new mom, a mm. new parent. But um, it's so much about acceptance of every moment, of every day, and every failing, and every success, and what does that mean, and blah, blah, blah. Mm. So although our journeys and what I was exploring as Frankie were so different, like childless, probably forever, boyfriend broke mm-hmm. up, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the parallels were also really significant. And so I actually learned a lot about how to deal with my own real life through exploring mm. Frankie's life, which is really cool. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I suppose, um, what, 
what an actor or an artist would hope every project would present, but obviously it can't. Yeah. So the kismet of that, of that time and that, and that moment within you. And I love the, uh, again, just the way you talked about the, both the film, but also your own experience, the recognition and the embrace of we move forward, we move yep. beyond, we, we, we are here now, Yeah. but we will continue. And it, you know, I, I, <clears throat> As I was thinking about setting up this conversation, one of the things that I know to be true about you is that you are always looking <laughs> to the horizon. And not, oh, yeah. from, not I don't say it from a place, I think many people look to the horizon from a place of um, lack of engagement or, mm. or disappointment or, oh, I only wish, you know, the sun will come mm. up tomorrow kind of a, a stance. But, you know, and I think you used this in a conversation we had not so long ago that, the doors have opened for you. Doors have appeared for you and that you've had, I don't know, the courage, audacity, or just damn curiosity right. to, 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 to step through. Right. So, yeah. uh, you know, as uh, the acknowledgement of, of your performance, um, it just presented this lovely door for, mm. for us to begin the conversation and to talk as we have before about how artists define, um, not to mention, you know, exist within the long haul relationship with success. Yeah. You know, which is sort of where I started with, with Frankie. And I, I just wonder if we might open that box mm. a little bit in terms of, in terms of what that relationship is and has been like for you. Oh, and that's such an interesting question. <laughs> I, it, it's really changed. Like uh, I remember sitting in Toronto um, and I think I had gotten back from a god awful Aerobar commercial, like one of those soul sucking sit in the chair, and they're actually making you eat the mother flipping chocolate bar, and giving you directions like, you know, can you just take your time? Can you just like savor the flavors? Can it be more sensual? You know, notes like that. Um, bless them, and they, that's their job, and I'm not discrediting that, but it just you just feel um, disgusting. Uh, and I remember coming home and I was in a basement apartment that had less than six foot ceilings. So, mm. uh, <laughs> um, I remember sitting there, uh, on my couch and bawling, bawling. Mm. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Jonathan, my partner was there, but I remember bawling and throwing pillows. Cause when I get sad, I get mad and mm. saying, that's it. That's it. I guess I failed. I'm done. We're done. We're done. I'm done. And I think I was like 26. <laughs> so my point of view at 26 was probably something like you do your best. And if you make it big, you made it. And if not, you should probably find something else. And I swear to you, I would have never said that to anybody. That will have just been my inner truth. To everybody else, I will have said shit like, follow your passion. I think I said, follow your bliss a lot, which now I never say anymore. Um, but you know, I would never have said that to anybody, but my inner truth and the, my harshest critic, um, cause I'm the meanest to myself over anybody else. It was that, uh, if you can't, if you can't really do it, you probably shouldn't do it. Hmm. And unfortunately I had that philosophy with everything everything. Mm. I wanted to rock climb. Well, if I'm not, I can't really do it right away. If I'm not a natural talent, then I should probably stop. And as I've moved into my thirties, Greg, and you know, I'd be so curious what other people say and what you yourself would say. But as I've moved into my thirties, I'm learning 
and listening to those that are so much wiser than me and learning that success really uh, has to be redefined, um, I think, on a cultural level, on a societal level, mm-hmm. and for me, on a personal level. Um, if success is something like you've made it, there's absolutely nothing there that you'll ever succeed at. Because if you even think about the people that have quote unquote made it, well, they might be millionaires, but they've never won an Oscar. So then if you haven't made it, if you haven't won an Oscar and then they win an Oscar, but then they never work again. So they have, they made it because they only won one Oscar. Like it just goes on and on. Right. Right. So, um, as I enter my thirties, that's where my curiosity is. And I think you and I have talked about this where I go, well, what is success? And it sounds Mm. so trite and simple, but my first impulse an offer is just uh, recognizing that success is just um, the pursuit of joy. And I think mm. that joy comes from challenges and overcoming challenges. I don't mean the constant ever present state of joy. I don't mean that at all. I mean the pursuit of joy. Um, I think that success has been redefined for me as a parent. I know mm. now I love my job, but I don't care about it nearly as much because my priority has been placed on my children. Right. Um, so if my kids are happy, I will consider myself a success. If my kids survive, I will consider myself a relative success. <laughs> you know you know what I mean though? It's like the, the transformation has been so megalithic into kind of my third decade of existence, which sounds so funny and so young still. Um, but mostly with parent, with parenthood as the priorities just totally shift. Um, yeah. so it's the pursuit of joy, I think. And if we can be on our deathbeds, Hopefully, if I can be on my deathbed, whenever that might be, and say, you know, at least I did things that made me happy and helped make others joyful, then that's mm. successful. I don't know. Yeah. Is that fair? Is that fair to make it that tiny? I don't know. Wow. Just take a moment and think about the word might be only three letters, but is it tiny? No. It's huge. It's everything. Yeah. It's everything. Yeah. 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 And you know, Again, you reference the little ones in your world mm-hmm. who we know are are are, are a huge workout. You yep. know, we, we, we know that is the work. By the same token, they have yet they have yet to discover the the crushing nature of the judgment of <sighs> the critic, be it external or even internal. Yeah. They haven't been they haven't been they haven't been set up to hear themselves say, I must be stupid because, yeah. and everybody's looking at me, therefore it means. Mm. And I'm not, you know, I'm not sure that, <clears throat> that we can devise a way to protect anybody from that, but wow, wouldn't it be incredible to be able to stay within that state of bliss, of, of joy. And again, you said you don't say find your bliss, but it's it's acknowledging and embracing that. It's, it's really lovely. Yeah. Joy, joy, That's that's what it, that's what it is. So you talked a lot in that about the impact of your own harsh expectations <laughs> yes. upon yourself. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So how do you, how do you, uh, yeah, you know, what, what, what is that walk like for you? <laughs> and, 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 and are you winning? <laughs> Any battles? Oh <laughs> I think some. You know, you know, Greg. It's so. I like. I think some. It's really funny. Um, uh, 
I, I, I was about to say everybody has it, but I don't think that's true. I don't think everybody has. I have it. My family, I was raised role model, wonderful people, but with horrible self-critics. Like oh. it's just in my Holly DNA. Um, but, but it's, it's better. Mine, uh, like even early on mine, I never thought it would have. And I remember speaking to my therapist in my twenties, literally saying to her, I used to love myself. I used to be a cool person. I don't know what happened. Um, so there was a period when my, for me, my critic became so, uh, strong and unfocused in its like terrorism mm. that it manifested itself in a really shitty um, eating disorder and all of the stuff that goes mm. along with that, which if you talk to my 17 year old self, it, you, it, there's no way, mm. you know, I would have said, Oh my gosh, what? Oh, wow. I'm sad for people that go through that. Um, so it, it, it's interesting because I feel so removed from that, part of my critic that was um, just reigning terror uncontrollably. And, mm -hmm. and so I think the small victory has been through life and again, through learning through other people and maintaining and collecting relationship data from those relationships that fuels me and teaches me. Mm -hmm. um, I've learned to control <laughs> my critic so that uh, it doesn't hurt me in the same way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, an eating disorder is just at one one thing it manifests itself in so sure. many different ways but um but for me that was something that i i just did not expect in my trajectory and for somebody with my personality um and uh yeah it's there but the control the control of it the recognition the softness around it even the judgment around the own critic i think has been the biggest thing that i've been curious about and still learning mm. because rather than trying to shut it down or drink it away or smoke it away, or, um, you know, just <laughs> vomit it away or hide it mm -hmm. away, which I was also very good at pretending like I had my shit together and presenting that part of me to the world. Um, I'm just learning now to hear it, acknowledge it and say, okay, hello, I hear you. You're with me. I'm going to choose to invest in other thoughts right now rather than this one, but I hear you and I see you and that's okay. That's my scared inner child. Mm. you know that's i i see you <laughs> whatever that is i see you and i hear you but it's okay and i'm going to now move to this other thought yeah um so yeah, yes victory yes yeah, acknowledgement absolutely and again shit that you learn parenting too right greg where you're like your kid's yeah. having a tantrum and i hear you i hear that you're upset okay However, we're still going to go, you know, we're not going to have that third lollipop. It's so funny, but it's, um, I, I'm doing to myself what I, I try to do as a parent. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, success. There you go. So yeah, some growth and success and hopefully, hopefully many more to come. I also think mm -hmm. like radical self-acceptance and I am using, I am stealing that term right out of some amazing human who gave it to me. I, I don't know if it... Oh my gosh, I have a beautiful friend named Ruby who might have said it anyways. I can't remember. Whoever it is, if you ever listen to this, thank you. Um, but somebody said the words radical self-acceptance and and yeah. that I'm trying to take into life where you're like, this is me. Um, yeah. I will continue to try to be the best, best version of myself, but I do not apologize. And um, hello world, whatever that means. Mm, that's lovely. So I'm curious about so many 
trajectories from that. Mm. Let's, if we can just stay for a moment. As a, as an artist, as an, as an, a human being identifying as an artist, what you've just shared isn't the sole ownership of the creatives. It's, it's no. truly universal. And, yeah. and I mean, clearly, as you presented that, you know that. I guess what, what I'm, what I'm curious about is within the, with, within the identity of performer, artist, are there, are there pieces of that relationship that you have had to really work to also create in terms of boundaries and definitions? You know, your work as an actor is to deeply understand another fictional human yeah. being in order to create them as, 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 you know, as authentically, as truly as, as we possibly can. And I'm hearing in your conversation that the, the courageous um, endeavor to, to do that work on, on self, whether mm -hmm. that involves external uh, support systems or whomever, right. Mm -hmm. As an actor, uh, talking to a younger actor, mm -hmm. is there anything else you would add or as a, yeah. Yeah. You mean in regards to like dealing with the harsh critic? Yeah, I think so. The, you talked about the harsh critic within yeah. yourself. Yeah. But you, I, I know you've also really oh, yeah. had the harsh critic on the outside as well. Yeah. And they're going to be there yeah. regardless. Yeah. Everybody knows something. Even the yeah. two gals in the Tim Hortons uh, yeah. or whatever who said, oh, we knows you. Yeah. Right? They, <laughs> they have an image. That yeah. This is who you be. You you <laughs> have to. Yes. And I talk to, I get, I have the beautiful blessing of teaching younger actors acting now. And it is mm -hmm. one of my favorite things to do. Really. I'm shocked at how much I love it and how much I learn from them. And um, so we talk about this all the time when you're teaching them an acting class, you, you have to talk about this. It is such a journey, but I feel like it is a conversation around knowing why you're doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So even if the bullies beat you down, sometimes they're right. Say you get a horrible <laughs> review. Sometimes they're right. Or maybe they're not at all. But even if the bullies beat you down or a director is throwing that critic at you or you're not booking over and over and over again, you have to know why you keep doing it. Mm -hmm. I remember I had a reviewer who shall remain nameless, who's no longer a reviewer, thank goodness, because they were not a kind, nor in my opinion, educated person to be doing that job. But I remember the comment that this person made about me, and I was young and in the throes of whatever that, you know, body dysmorphia, whatever that is to be unpacked at another time. But, um, and I remember her comment was, I didn't believe that any male could be attracted to this actress. And there was so much in that. Um, but the biggest thing that I heard in that, Greg, is that she said in this actress, so she took it outside of my work and made it about me. Yeah. And that, I read that review the day my grandfather died. Mm. And I remember, and I'll never forget it, I've never talked to my mother about this, but I remember 
talking to my mom and trying to tell her I was so sorry and I was very close with my grandpa that my grandpa had died. And yet the whole time, my brain kept being obsessed about what this critic said about me. And the guilt I felt mm. for years about, about caring more about what this fucking critic had said about my image rather than my grandfather dying. Hmm. Like, I couldn't believe it. I can't imagine the hundreds of dollars I spent in the, with my therapist <laughs> trying to deal with the guilt about my own narcissism. But um, the harsh critic there on the outside was so <sighs> profound for me that the reaction hmm. was just like a snowball effect. Wow. Um, and I didn't have it in me at that time to be able to step outside of myself and go, okay, who is she in your life? And how much does she matter in regards to why you're doing this work? And if I was able to do that, it would take me 0.6 seconds to go, she's nothing, she means nothing. Um, and, and this is why I do this work. And it actually has nothing to do with whether a male could be attracted to me as an actress or not. Like what the ever-loving hell. Um, but I didn't have those resources at that time to unpack mm -hmm. that. Um, so that's what... That's what I try to talk about. It's that idea yeah. of, of taking something that may seem so big, but understanding it's so small, yeah. isolating that moment, taking off those, you know, that tunnel vision and looking at the bigger picture. Yeah. And that can be hard, but I really believe, and I'm learning and that perspective can be applied to not getting an audition. That mm -hmm. perspective can be applied to dealing with a director that seems to hate you over other people, right? You just need to look at why you're doing this. There's also a quote Theodore Roosevelt said, um, comparison is the thief of joy. Hmm. And one thing that I find comes up all the time in my teaching and all the time still in myself, it was a formative and life-changing moment for me when I heard that quote. Um, because I think that the harshest critic isn't even from other people as an artist. It's from yourself. Yeah. It's comparing yourself. It's comparing yourself. You yeah. don't even need to hear crap from other people. It's <laughs> comparison. Um, yeah. So that, that, that quote, comparison is the thief of joy. Um, it changed everything for me because, as I said, I think the pursuit of joy is the entire point of even being alive. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Ellipses, who knows, <laughs> you know. Um, but that quote comes into the classroom for me all the time now, too. Oh, that's lovely. <clears throat> and... You know, as you say, you're shocked at how much you love teaching, but clearly you're supposed to be there. Oh, my God. I it, think it, so. it, oh, my God. Right? You're yeah. supposed to be there. <clears throat> what, I hope so. What, what just was, was brought back for me was <laughs> this is all well and good to be able to say, and so important to be <laughs> able to lay down that track and, and at the same time knowing in your line of work, that you're going to head out. Now, I appreciate that in the last two years, almost all of your audition experiences have been, yeah. uh, you know, uploaded to somewhere. Yeah. God yeah. knows who. Yeah. But before that, correct me if I'm wrong, but you would show up at a room yeah. to audition and for film or TV, yeah. the room was full of people that looked pretty much just like you if you were all reading for the same part. So, yeah. so how, how now do we, you know that that that's a that's a tough 
task for anyone to not fall into that, that, that place of comparison when you're looking around and saying, well, <laughs> it could be all of us. Yeah. You know? Um, and, <clears throat> and I, re I remember, a, a, an, another acting coach coming in and talking to students of mine, uh, about his work in the audition space, mm -hmm. uh, specific to this. And he was, he, he was specifically a type as a, mm -hmm. as a younger male actor. But, um, but his question to them was, uh, how, how, how much, uh, uh, how, what's the percentage you figure that I book? Or no, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to cut this out. His question was, um, what, what do you figure the percentage of my success rate is? Huh. And of course, they thought success meant you booked. So, you know, they sheepishly, mm. but not wanting to insult him, tossed a few numbers out. They were pretty <laughs> inflated and they knew that they probably weren't accurate. <laughs> to which he replied, no, actually, it's 100%. Oh. And they all thought, oh, man, who go good. But he had oh. created the frame around it to say oh. that if he went into every audition and knew that he came out... Uh, having done everything he could possibly do, and, he, oh. and, and of course left it for the others who were going to do the the nitpicking and comparison work, then he could walk home successful. And Give so me again, this it was person's name. I need him well, in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was transformative for, yeah. for for all of us, the adults and the and the youth in the in that space mm. to go. Oh, so I get to define. Oh. I get to define <sighs> my success. And what you choose to do is your business. Yeah. Make it so. Yeah. Right? One of the biggest things I hear, Greg, and I'm sure you hear this too, about uh, actors or actors that have left, uh, actors that are frustrated, is that lack of control. Yeah. Feeling like you don't have any control over your career because you're always at the mercy of somebody picking you. And so I love, I love yeah. that. And I have nothing but mad respect for that offer yeah. that that person gave out because that gives you ownership over your craft that you work so hard and care so much about. Mm -hmm. um, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, it was a lovely re reframe oh. of that, that whole, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I, I, I'm not sure what other job exists out there oh. where you go for an interview and you have to pretend to be two contrasting other people and if you're lucky, they'll ask you one or two questions about you, right? I mean, it's it, it, so, so it gives me, it, it gives me hope to see. And I, I truly believe that, that this question, which has been wrestled around for years and years and nothing has, has changed because that's the way it has to be. I do sense that there are people within the, within the work that are saying, there's gotta be, there's gotta be some other ways here to, to, to approach this. So. And then I love what I love what you said because I think approach is everything. I think ownership mm -hmm. over approach because again we you know we like to scapegoat or or put our frustrations with the industry because it's a tough industry onto other people. Mm -hmm. But if we can have ownership over our own approach, then how fabulous! Because like you said, then we yeah. well we just manifest our own destiny with it. Then do, do we not mm -hmm. in a way if we get to define what our success is? Another frame that, and I, I do believe it was a celebrity that said this, but I'm so sorry, I can't remember, but it's, it's that idea that the work is the audition. That's the job. Yeah. That's the work. Yeah. The performance is the cherry on top. Yeah. But the work, the job, 
is the audition. So you mm. need to approach that with as much love as you would anything mm. else in the business. And and that for me was also oh so helpful to mm-hmm. hear. And because it again changed my approach to that process. Mm. And people yeah. feel the love, right? People feel if they feel if you're happy to be auditioning or not. Even on Zoom, I'm telling you, Greg. Even on these online submissions, they feel whether you're happy to be there or not. Mm. You know, and that and that changes. I believe that changes whether they're inspired to work with that individual or not. I do believe. That's great. Uh, that's lovely. It just <clears throat> I'd never thought that that the plays the thing is actually that other <laughs> that other piece to that, which is really the play. That's why we're doing it. The is, play, the, is, yeah. the, is the play, the joy, yeah. the, the sense yeah. of, of what are we building here together with this yeah. incredible group of people? And as you say, oh, look, that's, you know, we, 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 we built, well, we, we built a, you know, I, I made a hat. Yeah. I, uh, so, <laughs> so just before we leave this piece of this comparison and, yeah. and to take absolutely nothing away from the nomination, mm. awards are tricky, aren't they? in mm-hmm. this creative space. And I'd always, yeah. I, I always loved the way Sondheim <laughs> said awards for, for, for artistic work really just, they address two things. One, they might help to launch your next project. And two, <laughs> they provide a lovely piece of bric-a-brac for the mantle. Oh, I love it. Thank you, Sondheim. <laughs> Forever a genius. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, so where, you know, it's a lovely cherry on top. Oh, but great. It's it, it, come on. Like you, it's, I 100% agree with what Sondheim is saying. A wonderful honoring of it, beautiful yeah. recognition of people's work, but it's, it's often very political. <laughs> you mm. know, depending on the governing body or what's going on, it's often very political. I mean, we even have to think about the Oscars, right? And what that looks yeah, like yeah, and what happens yeah. behind the scenes there. Um, but it's also what people see, are able to get out to see, even in theater awards, even in things like local theater awards. You know, it's just, it, it's just, it's tricky because, um, as much as it's a beautiful thing to be involved in a nomination, it's really tough when you're not. And so again, I think it on a cultural level sets up a society where we're, we're feeling like there's a certain thing that we need to meet in order to feel successful as an actor. And I just don't. I don't agree with that anymore. And I agree with award ceremonies. I just say, I'm saying it's tricky. It's tricky territory, but it's so funny. Like literally what Sondheim said, I I, um, I have a fabulous agent, um, Josh Drabbit at Kirk Talon. I'm going to name him because I think everybody (laughs) should know how fabulous he is. Um, But he's such a great human and he's great at his job. And he was so kind because I let him know. um, I let him know about the nomination just because I thought, you know, maybe I should. And uh, he, he, of course, called me right away. And what he said was so funny. He was, I mean, it was so complimentary and just fantastic and made, because he's so smart, he made wonderful comments about the work and the piece that he took time to watch, which he didn't have to do. But he said, this is so great. I'm going to use it to push you. Yeah. And it was so funny because I was like, isn't that hilarious? Because it's yeah. exactly what Sondheim said. It, it, it It's just a door to yeah. my hopefully my ability to do more of what I want to do. Like, <laughs> yeah. thank you. Amazing. That's great. But like, 
great. Can we now do more stories that we want to tell? Um, so that's beautiful. And I don't think that's bad to say about awards because there's such a wonderful recognition, but artists are always hungry. Like all I want to do is continue to tell more stories is continue to learn is continue to collaborate with other artists. So it's like, yeah, great. Awesome. And if I could have that on my mantelpiece, amazing. Can I go to the red carpet and wear a pretty dress? Please. But like, also, can we just do more work? Thank you, Sondheim, yeah. for telling me that. Yes. You know, and do push yeah. me, Josh Drebbit. Please push me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's great about Sondheim. What a genius. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. As our next episode falls on April Fool's Day, it seemed fitting that I host a conversation with one of my favorite fools, funny man Donovan Workin. Donovan has been bringing his comedy into the lives of audiences on stage, film, and across the airwaves for over 30 years and is currently touring in the lead role of the runaway musical hit, Jason Kenney's Hot Boy Summer. Like any true improviser, Donovan has always embraced a yes-let's attitude to life and is grateful for the doors that have opened as a result of accepting all offers. Still, he acknowledges the challenges of the juggling act we create when yes is our go-to response. Knowing laughter to be good medicine, Donovan reflects on how, as he gets older, he's coming to better understand the deeper value his comedic powers have in serving to bring joy to others by reminding us that laughter has the power to get us through the other stuff. I hope you'll join me in conversation with Donovan Workin on our April Fool's Day episode of Ellipses Thinking. So I'm going to go back to uh, your comment about about teaching and how shocked uh, you are at how much you love it. But I mean, I, uh, having had the pleasure of, of watching you teach uh, in a couple of different contexts, mm-hmm. um, you bring such an incredibly soulful presence to mm-hmm. the space. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, maybe again, like, like, you know, was alluded to earlier, it's about the sense of joy. It's about being in a moment that is not rehearsed, where discovery is everything. Mm. And um, so talk to me about the doors that have been pulling you into, into, the, into the teaching, into the mentoring world. Yeah. And I love that you said that because it is doors. Both my parents were teachers and they were brilliant mm. at their job and teachers in very different ways. But um, it was funny because I always just thought it was like, oh, well, that's a job your parents do. I'm going to be a rock star, but my parents are teachers. So yeah, when, when that teaching call comes tapping on your shoulder, um, I think I tried to ignore it for a very long time. Um, but it first, it first came when I was, at, I was working at the Stratford Festival and I was performing there and they have a, they have a wonderful education department there and they have the artists teach if you want mm. to. Uh, and it was just so, so wonderful to be able to perform and do what I love, but also go and then teach what I love. And I think I was 21 when I first started doing that or 20 years old. Um, so that's when that first door started and it just became so clear that, um, that it was something that I, I wanted to continue to learn through. And, uh, I also, an, another very clear door or even an archway, I, I want to call it, or like a, a new path happened for me, Greg, when I started to come to a point in acting where 
I, I was way too self-obsessed with the art form and I was sick of all of the energy coming back on me. Um, and of course, as an actor, you're sending the energy out, you're working with others. And I've, I don't, I've never lost that. I, I, I thrive. I live with others. That's how I, I breathe. However, mm. at night, the, the self-focus and the self-obsession was just sucking the joy out of the work mm. for me. But every time I went to teach, all that energy I had would go out and stay out. And when I would lesson plan, that energy would come out for other people. Nothing kept kicking back on myself. And when I realized what that was, that's when I was like, oh my goodness, yes, yes, please, like more doors. And then mm. people like yourself were so generous in little doors here and bigger doors here and more doors here. And still to this day, I just way more than I should, but just just say yes to it. And I learn, I think my students roll their eyes and they're like, whatever, she's just a big hippie. But I say to them always, <laughs> I will learn more from them than I can ever teach them in any mm. given minute and in any given hour or class. Like... It's so selfish too on a really funny level because what I learned about myself or other people or the art form is so beautiful to learn through them. But yeah. um, but the doors are ever-changing, like these revolving doors. They're, they're ever-changing. So what started out as me as an actor teaching acting then morphed into weird vocal coaching. I have no idea how the ever-loving mother hell that even happened. Somehow I found myself training to do that and getting diplomas in that. I don't even know. I hated voice when I learned it as an actor. Bless the beautiful teachers I had. I hated it. I was wanting to get to the emotional stuff, you know? I didn't <laughs> Which understand Which has it. nothing to do with the nothing, voice, right? Everything to do with to do Yeah, with like, like literally just nothing to do with acting, even emotions. It's not about that at all, FYI, Elena. Um, but yeah, it... it I, I, it just kind of happened. And I remember, um, I think it started because I was losing my voice all the time as an actor. And so all of a sudden mm. I went, wait a sec, this isn't good. And so then I started training more as an actor in voice. And then Greg, I realized, and I don't know when this was, I really don't even know if it was an actual moment, but I realized that through the voice, you can change how you feel about yourself. And through voice work and through helping people with voice work, you can change how they feel and about themselves and how they see themselves. So the connection between voice work and self-esteem mm. became like an all-time obsession for me that I'm still riding that, that way. Yeah. Um, and that's morphed itself into a very wild place. Uh, and this would be a whole other you know, story and journey, but I'm so grateful for it. And I have... Um, mostly Dr. Julia Chronopoulos to thank for this, but uh, it's morphed its way into trans vocal care mm. right now. I still teach voice at, you know, at, um, sure. post-secondary educations and at university and college levels. Uh, and also to actors, a vocal coach at Bard on the Beach in Vancouver. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm doing this work that I'm obsessed with right now, which is uh, helping trans folk find gender identity in their voice so that their voice fully represents their authentic self. And it, oh my God, I mean, bless them. It's, mm. I, you know, a lot of the time they're like, who the hell is this, you know, Caucasian cisgender chick talking to me, like <laughs> as if she knows. Um, but when we break through those barriers and when they can smell and sense like that, I, I really do care. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe I have a couple of things that can help. Uh, then we just learn together. Right. And as you would say, mm -hmm. then we're just curious together and play play together yeah. but it is it's the ultimate because not only is it self-esteem is your your help 
you're not even helping. I don't help them. You're facilitating a container or not even a container. Oh my gosh. You're facilitating a way for somebody to explore how to be their fullest and truest self. I mean, it's just like, whew, I mean, forget playing Hamlet. It's just like, <laughs> it's just the most amazing, amazing thing. And it's so yeah. funny because in a way it is acting and it draws on all the technique of vocal manipulation and of characterization. It just draws on it on a far, far deeper level um, because it's not pretend because what's at stake, Greg, is literally a life. Yeah. I did. A, I had the pleasure of doing a, a conference. The program I run is called Your Voice. I run it um, currently out of the Wellness Center of Alberta, but it's morphing now into uh, probably something larger, which is such a gift. Um, mm. But through this program, because I created it from an artist's point of view, it's very different than speech language pathology approach. So because of the performance-based aspect to the work, I was able to go to um, the European uh a conference that was held in Sweden for uh, trans health and was able to uh, share about uh, my approach to trans vocal care. And there was a story, a doctor there, a woman who's trans herself, this incredible, incredible woman. Um, and after the speech, she shared her story with, with us. And she was uh, blessed with beauty she appeared to us with no makeup and I think she was literally in t-shirt and who knows what she was wearing, right? <laughs> right. Cause it's all, all, you know, online. Um, but she was, uh, so beautiful and everything about her physical appearance, uh, luckily represented what her gender, true gender was, which was female. <laughs> and, um, so she was beautiful and she told a story about how she was in a small town in England and uh, she was walking at night and she started getting catcalled by these uh, gentlemen at a pub. And she kept walking and they were catcalling because she's drop dead gorgeous and it was the middle of the night and they had a couple of drinks. And in order to protect herself, she had to use her voice. And when they heard her voice and recognized that this quote unquote female that they thought they saw was not exactly what they'd expected, they beat her within an edge mm. of her life. And she spent a year to two years in intensive care and then into physical therapy and recovery. Literally beat her within an edge of her life. So the stakes with this work in regards to one's safety, it's unlike anything I've ever played with or worked on before. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's, 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 uh, it's, I believe, taking art to the next level and I find it humbling. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I, I find that, it humbling. That's a, a door you are <clears throat> deeply appreciative, opened. And learning a lot about Greg. Mm -hmm. Learning. There's so, there's not enough people that do this, but there's so many people that do this. So there's so many people I need to still learn from. And every client mm -hmm. you work with, it's a new story, a new journey. So, yeah. So those those are the doors. And so the teaching just continues to morph. And I hope I hope it does. I still work with mentors, yourself included, that um, redefine literally what I, I feel like uh, it is to be a teacher or what this art form is, what life is. So I hope, I hope that keeps happening. Well, thank you. And, and if I can go back to offer to you the reminder that it, you're not just a, a hippie, the, 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 that sensation <laughs> is, is that, that should be the universal teaching credo, which I is so. I will learn more today by being 
alongside these particular incredible human beings and what a gift that is. And, and so, as you say, it's all going out. Yep. But it's coming back this way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. There's a cycle and you feel that cycle of energy, right? It's, oh, it's a beautiful high. It's like so, mm. it's so gorgeous. You know that. That's, yeah. That's lovely. That's incredible. Yeah. So uh, before we end, mm-hmm. I want to ask a couple of, uh, just sort of a couple of questions that keep coming up for me as I think in terms of impact, mm. right? We talk, we talk about this ellipses thinking as being the, the, the steps we might land on as we move forward. You can move back, but you know, as, and recognizing that we don't always look back. Although with you, I, I hear you scooping up and mm. integrating constantly um, mm. as, as you, as you look forward. So I guess I would, I would love to give you the opportunity. You, you, you've offered such beautiful acknowledgements, including to myself, but I, I'm curious around inspiration in the shoulders that you stand upon and, uh, and wonder if given this opportunity, if you might share the name of, of one person who has, who has truly inspired you in in ways that only you fully know as, as, as an artist, as a mother, as a, Oh my as an incredible gosh. Human being. Oh my gosh. That's such an important question. I have so many thing people. Give me a second to think about that. Cause that's so important. I don't know why this person came to my mind. Um, Garrick Winston was an actor who uh, worked out of Calgary, Alberta. And uh, Garrick uh, had a heart attack in his, I think he was in his 40s that he made through and then a second heart attack took his life. Mm -hmm. He was a father of two children. Um, I think his eldest, I don't know, was probably 11 or 14. He had a boy and a girl and a wonderful, wonderful wife. So he was taken way, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know what's Mm -hmm. going on outside of our earthly world, but he was taken way too soon. Um, I think what's so exciting to me even about like that ellipses exercise and why Garrett came up is because we're talking about success at the beginning of this conversation. I mean, do you know who Garrett Winston is? Like, you know, by all accounts, he was a local wannabe actor and I love you Garrick if you can hear me but he was he did some stuff he'd made his own stuff he would create riggings and like dolly things so that he could do his own filming in his garage out of plywood and like put his camera on wheels with his little son and uh do some indie shit and play you know big black dude number four in the backgrounds of a security guard he was a, a wannabe actor and he never ever acted that way he was the most grateful humble kind considerate passionate enthusiastic person i've ever worked with i don't know what that man put in his coffee in the morning but he was incredible he was an ex-military greg Mm. he was an american um than Canadian. He was the happiest Mm -hmm. human being 
one of the happiest human beings I've ever encountered, like truly happy. And I consider him to be one of, if not the most successful people I've ever encountered in my life. And he literally financially survived because his wife was a doctor. (laughs) So there, you know, it brings us back to success. What actually is success? Um, this, this man knew who he was, Garrick knew who he was, and he knew what he wanted out of life and he followed that. And therefore he, he was successful and honestly, totally unforgettable. And Mm. I've never seen so many human beings gather for a funeral in my life. It was a lovely tribute. Garrick Winston. Mm. Yeah. Garrick. Mm. Garrick. Yeah. He yeah, needed amazing. to come today. He needed to. So. He needed to be here. Mm-hmm. That's lovely. <clears throat> so that's looking back. Let me jump forward. So your grandchild mm. tells their child about Alana Holly Purvis. What do mm. you hope they say? What do you hope they know? Because it's come down to them. Oh man, it's so funny. Some of the things I want to say, they're not going to say if they're being honest. The first thing I, 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 and I really mean this. I really mean this because when I think about people, you know, when I think about my grandmother, what I value is kindness. And I, I really mean that. I, I want to be remembered or thought of as a kind person. It's something that I like about myself and it's something that I'm proud of. And that I value and practice. And so kindness. But the other things that come into my mind are like, (laughs) she was easygoing and fun-loving. No, I'm not. I'm so not. (laughs) My my beautiful uncle, who I don't have any memories of, my mom's brother, um, he died of AIDS in the 80s. And every time they talk about him, they talk about how much fun he was. And he was so fun-loving and easygoing. And I'm like, oh, man, that's what I want to say to Greg. And that is not at all who I am. Oh, come on, Alana. Just give them the third lollipop. I know. I'm the biggest fucking, like, worrywart, guilt-ridden psycho in the whole world. Um, uh, 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 So, yeah, I would want them to say fun-loving and easygoing. And it's not... um, I think, you know, if, if we're being honest, like <laughs> <laughs> kindness and like something else I, I, I really didn't know I did, but I do do it and I'm so happy to do it. And it comes so naturally to me is I really pay attention to other people. I really like hearing other people's thoughts and stories. I like seeing people. I like witnessing people. And I hope that in the future, something that I leave, whether it's a legacy or whatever it is, or if I'm still here, I hope that people feel seen by me and heard by me. Well, if it's, if, if, if I'm, I'm certainly not your grandchild. uh, (laughs) But from the other side, I can tell you that you do make people feel that way. You make you make me feel that way, and I know mm-hmm. I see you being present to others, and and that is, yeah, that's a that's something we all could use a whole lot more of. Which is, you know, that that 
that sense of you're the only one in the room that matters yeah. at this moment in time. And yeah, perhaps literally. that's some of your acting practice, but I, I think it's deeper than that. And, it, hmm. and so, so that's lovely that it's a, a lovely way of uh, punctuating this conversation. Hmm. I wish you I'm joy. Happy. I wish you the, the sense of, uh, of kindness that you, that you exude in the world. Oh, Cause it does, I have it, to. It, it comes back. It comes back. Oh, Greg, I have it. I, I, I feel that kickback so much. I feel that kickback in the partnerships and what I get to do. I'm like one of the luckiest people I know. Literally, I think it's Edward Durrani, a beautiful, um, beautiful educator and performer and director that I used to work with at Stratford. And he looked at me one time and he said, you just have a horseshoe shoved right up your ass, don't you? <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, yes, Ed, I do. So yeah, no, I know it. I totally know it. I'm a lucky, lucky person. Well, thank you. Thanks oh, for spending great. this time. I know it's the end of a long day. Oh, I honor you so much. And I think this venture and this concept of the ellipses is really inspiring and provokes so much curiosity. So thank you so much for letting my voice be a part of it, part of its journey. Ellipses Thinking is a proud member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It is produced by Jordan Dollar Coltman and Greg Dollar Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. As a resident of Vancouver Island, I wish to acknowledge that I am a visitor on the traditional lands of the Coast Salish people including the territories of the Snonoas and Qualicum people. The first peoples have been here for over 10,000 years. Their ancestors still here with us in the sky, the land, the ocean, and all of the beings that share this sacred place. As a settler, I gratefully embrace the opportunities for growth as integral to my personal journey of collaboration and reconciliation as I learn and further support the possibilities that lay ahead. I remain committed to practicing my craft in a decolonized space.